0: Scripture in this morning will be taken from 1st Corinthians chapter 13 verses 4 through 8 that's page 1021 in the pew Bible it's 1st Corinthians chapter 13 verses 4 through 8 love suffers long and is kind love does not envy love does not parade itself and is not puffed up does not behave rudely does not seek its own is not provoked Thinks no evil does not rejoice in iniquity but rejoices in the truth Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. Good morning. It is good to see each of you. If you're a guest, again, we welcome you. It really does encourage us that you're here, and we want to be an encouragement to you. And again, another welcome to Jody. We're glad that you're here. We're looking forward to worshiping and serving God together and glad that he's on staff, and we look forward uh, to seeing the good that God has planned. And we hope and pray also that we're a blessing to you. Uh, Many of us, and hopefully all of us, can say that being a part of this church family has been a blessing to us. God blesses us. So in turn, we can bless others. And that's truly uh, what we want to do in our life and what we want to be as a church family. Two very polite people sat down to have a meal together. And there was only two pieces of chicken and one piece was noticeably larger than the other piece. And so they insisted that the other take their serving first. And finally, after that went back and forth a couple of times, each declining, going to the other, the first fella reaches out and takes the largest piece of chicken. Well, the other person is surprised at what they thought was rude in that act and called him on it and says, how can you do that? You took the largest piece of chicken, to which the other asks a question to reply to that question and says, well, which piece would you have taken? And the other says, well, I would take in the smaller piece, of course. And the person says, that's exactly why I took the larger piece, so you could have the piece you wanted. <laughs> you know, politeness might not always be as simple as what it first seems. And we've been studying now for several weeks that love is so easy to misunderstand. And yet we ought to devote our life to being a student of this love that we read about in 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter. We have 15 descriptions of love, and in the original language, all of them are verbs. In other words, there are things that are to put us into action. But the motive behind this action ought to be love also, and that's what we learned several weeks ago in studying the first three verses, that love, let's start that again, life minus love equals zero. And so everything that we practice ought to be this agape, this love, and everything that we do in that behavior ought to be purely from the motive of that love. We looked over the past few weeks at verse four, and we've seen that love suffers long. In other words, it's not monkey see, monkey do. You hurt me, I'll hurt you back. Instead, it's willing to say, you know, you hurt me, I'm gonna pause and I'm gonna see what God would want me to do in this situation and God would not want us to seek our own vengeance. And so instead what we're going to give back is Kindness, and that is a merciful kindness where we return good for evil, what the other person needs. We also have learned that this love does not envy. In other words, we truly want others to do well. We want to honor them when they're due honor, and when they excel, we want to be the ones that are happy for them and commend them, not going through life believing that it's our place to be better than everyone else and that brings us to the next one does not parade itself in other words a person that's practicing this love does not go around saying look at me look at me because I get my confidence in whether or not you're noticing me whether or not you're complimenting me and whether or not you like me and we also see in that 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 type of love that we're studying is not puffed up because if we do become arrogant is literally the idea of like a windbag being blown up it blinds us this type of love if we don't practice it this puffed upness literally blinds us so that we don't see others in what they need and we don't see God for who he is and we don't even see sin for what it is It's very blinding to be puffed up. Love humbles us so we truly do see the need of others. We truly see God as He is because we're humble, exalting God. And we truly do see sin and the devastation of it and that we want to avoid it. We talked about the fact that in this next picture, we get a warm, fuzzy feeling, and it's wonderful when we can have that. There's nothing wrong with having that, but that's not the standard of love. Instead, when we look at the standard of love, we look here at 1 Corinthians 15, and we see that it is the action. It's the verbs. It's what God calls us to do. And oftentimes, it's not going to leave us with a warm, fuzzy feeling. Instead, in John the 13th chapter, when Jesus practiced love and then turned right around and taught about it, he washed feet. And then he turned around and said, a new commandment that I've given to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. And by this may all men know that you are my disciples, is the way he closes, verse 35. And so in this, we've been talking about that, that imagine Jesus sitting for a portrait. And, and, and imagine Paul over here sketching, but instead of sketching as we normally think, he decides to do it with words. And he writes 15 descriptions that Jesus fulfilled every one of them. But this week I'd like to ask you to think of another dimension of that illustration. Perhaps all of you remember in your school days, some of you remember it because it's in the morning, right? You remember picture day though? Do you remember when picture day came around and you could buy the, the, the prints of the original photograph? Remember you could buy the eight by 10 or the five by sevens or the wallet size? Do you realize that in a sense we are to be reprints, if you will, of Jesus? In other words, here's this portrait of how Jesus loved. And what if every home today, we went home into the homes that we live in and we were a reprint. We loved others as Jesus loved us. And what if when we went to school and to work tomorrow and to, to out in the community, what if we literally were a reprint, if you will, where literally we looked like the portrait of Jesus in the way that we loved one another. With that in mind, let's go to the beginning of the fifth verse now and let's see this description in verse five. This love does not behave rudely. Isn't it interesting that this idea of rudeness and politeness is from Scripture? In other words, We hear a lot about this even in our society today, perhaps when someone is rude or when someone's polite, and and so if we're not careful, we immediately simply and only make it a societal issue, a social issue. But I want you to see it wasn't man that sat down and said, hey, this would be a great way for us to interact with each other. It's God in his design of love that did this. The sad stat that came out recently is 79% of Americans believe That rude behavior is on the rise in America. Isn't that sad that by far the majority of people believe that America is becoming more and more rude? We can't live everybody else's life, but we can live our own. And as Christians, we've been talking about all year whether or not we live in the kingdom of the Lord? Is he going to reign over our life? Are we going to love as he has taught us to love? Or are we going to live in the world where the world too has a level of politeness, but it is a much different standard of consistency than what Christ would teach us? It's interesting to read what individuals think are rude. I am going to give you a list here, and I'm not saying that simply because it's a list, it makes it all true. I'm giving you this list to think so that you can see and evaluate your own life, and are there rude behaviors that you do in your life that perhaps you haven't even thought otherwise about. For example, here's a list of 25 rude behaviors. Being noisy, cutting in lines, interrupting, any form of disrespect to the elderly, not returning your shopping cart, barking dogs, bad table manners, cutting off others in traffic, tailgating, littering, not using a turn signal, using the last of anything and not replacing it, being late, improper cell phone usage, taking and misusing handicapped parking spots, Not teaching and enforcing manners in children. Taking credit for the work of others. Personal grooming in public. Just yesterday I wondered why the woman was not pulling up when the traffic eased up. She was personal grooming in public. (laughs) Treating store employees, wait staff rudely. Cashiers who talk on their cell phones and don't acknowledge customers during checkout. Blocking the aisle in Walmart and grocery stores. Leaving messes in public restrooms. Driving slow in the left or the passing lane, amen. (laughs) Talking and using a cell phone in movie theaters, which by the way, did you know that movie ticket sales are going down? Of course, in part, the argument is maybe Netflix and things, but another serious consideration is that there is so much rudeness in theaters, they're thinking that is literally affecting movie ticket sales. That's interesting, the powerful impact of rudeness. Not picking up after your dog. Let me read you a quick six things that the Houston Chronicle said about business. This was in the business section of the Houston Chronicle, and they listed six items that they say are always rude in the workplace. Number one, disrupting others, poor manners, failure to greet and acknowledge others, failure to refill crude language, and crossing the line. It's interesting when you think really what rudeness is and then what it does communicate. In other words, simply define rudeness as unbecoming behavior. But really, and you get down to the heart of it, what rudeness is, is rudeness is the idea that says, I am behaving in a certain way, and I do not care how it affects you. I want to do it, and I don't care about you. Obviously, the love that the Lord has called us to live, this agape says, I do care how my actions and behaviors affect you, so much so that before I do something, I'm going to stop and consider those around me. Listen, I know right now we could get down on various elements of society where we say, I'm amazed at the rude behavior and just fill in the blank. And listen, we could talk for days about this. But this morning, I want you and me to think about ourselves individually. Where is it that we go and we conduct ourselves And really, if we were to be honest what's in our mind, we think, I don't care what other people think. When that is our mentality, we usually are going to be rude people. And yet on the other hand, God says love does not behave. See, that's the action. It does not behave. How? What's the standard? Rudely. It doesn't act not considering others. I'd like for you and I to look at three passages. And as we consider these three passages, each of them are taught with a broader topic and principle at hand. But it cannot be missed That rudeness is also a part of all three of these passages. So we think about Jesus was never rude to others, but now let's go to 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter in verse 21, and that's just a couple of pages back from the text that you're opened up to there in 1 Corinthians 13. And this, the greater topic underway, and maybe I shouldn't say greater, but the more prevalent topic that's underway right now is the Lord's Supper. And they had really perverted the way that they had taken the Lord's Supper. And so as he calls them out on things that they were doing wrong, it also cannot be ignored that rudeness was a huge part of what they were doing. Let's read this and notice about six or seven things. Look at 1 Corinthians 11 and 21. 1 Corinthians 11 and 21. For in eating, each one takes his own supper. See, we see selfishness there. Ahead of others, we see the unwillingness to wait upon others. And one is hungry and another is drunk. Now we know that drunkenness is a sin so that shouldn't exist but notice how it's placed in contrast to hunger. In other words, what he's saying there is some had excess and were filling up on it and others didn't have enough and there's a lack of empathy. You would think these with, with excess would share with those that don't but they were being rude. They, they weren't sharing. They were not waiting. They were not empathetic toward each other. And that, in part, and of course, this is in the midst of the Lord's Supper, which they really have perverted it, but, but just the very heart of what's the Lord's Supper? It is to bring us together to remind us that we're in communion with each other. And think about the word communion literally means to share. I mean, that's what it means, And so they were there to commune with each other and they were doing just the opposite. That's what causes Paul in verse 22 to state one word with an exclamation mark we have in English. He says, what? In other words, he's like, everything about what you're doing is so messed up. And he continues here. Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God? Now, who's the church of God? You know, the church is the called out. So that's all the people that have been called out to God. And he says, do you see the way you're treating each other, this rude behavior? And what is he liken it to? Isn't this powerful? He says, do you despise them? In other words, do you not love them? If you love the church... You would share with the church. You would wait on the church. You would have empathy for others in the church that do not have, and you have. If you're not willing to do those things, in other words, you're rude, you must despise the church. Well, it makes sense, because just a couple of pages over in 1 Corinthians the 13th chapter, he would teach that love is not rude. Isn't it interesting? That rudeness is not just a matter of someone saying, well, that's just kind of the way I am. God says, no, no, no. Rudeness is a matter of you not loving others. Now, we're not talking about what America would call love. We're talking about what God defines as love. And God defines this in a beautiful and, uh, and a challenging way. And so let's finish this. Uh, he gives us two more great things here. No, so do you despise the church of God? And notice this second one. And shame those who have nothing. So notice what's happened here. He's talking to the one that's rude, and he says, okay, is the problem. You just don't like the church. You don't love. And then notice the effect it has on others. He says the effect it has on others is you're going to create shame in the lives of those that you're rude to. In this particular situation, what he was doing was he says, here are the people that have excess. They're coming together. They're not waiting. They're not sharing. And here are the people that do not have enough. And any of you that have ever been there, I don't have to say anything more. But if you have forgotten what it's like to not have while people around you have, and the people that have will not share, it becomes embarrassing. We've seen it in school. A child that doesn't have, and other ones have and will not share, and it becomes embarrassing. Sometime it can even become a situation of mockery. But how many times have we seen a child love? And that situation that is rude, they become the one that practices love, politeness, and they take their excess and they share and it removes that shame. We can see it among adults. We can see it in a church family. Do you see what he's saying here? He's talked about the one that, that doesn't have that empathy. And he's saying to that individual, you must despise the church. And then he's pointing over to the others and he says, look, you've created an environment of shame. You should have been sharing, but instead, you're rude. And notice the close of this. Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you. There's nothing praiseworthy about perverting the Lord's Supper there's nothing praiseworthy about bringing rudeness into god 's family. Let 's notice the second example. You remember when the lady came in to wash Jesus feet with her tears and her hair? And the greater subject matter, if you want to be turning back to Luke seven, Luke 7, the great subject matter that is at hand there, is that Jesus is going to talk about who receives forgiveness, and he 's going to relate it to love. But have you ever thought about that in this story, he teaches what Simon didn't do, and he teaches what the woman did, and listen, I'm not saying it's kinda like this, I'm saying it's like this. That's how he proves who loved and who didn't love. It literally is a case study of, look at the rudeness in this man, look at the generous politeness in this woman, Let me show you who doesn't love and let me show you who does love. And it goes right along with 1 Corinthians 13. Love does not behave itself rudely. We don't and won't take the time to go over that whole story. It's a beautiful story. I just want to drop down to the part of that story where Simon is being addressed by Jesus here. Look with me, if you will. Luke 7 verse 44. He turned to the woman... And he said to Simon, so he's looking at the woman, but he's going to talk to Simon because he's going to use the woman as a teaching example here. And he says, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet. Now, that would have been the general and customary way to properly greet a guest in that day and time and to supply their needs. Their feet would have been dirty and they would have offered a basin of water, a towel and if they really would have been hospitable and polite, they would have offered a servant to wash the feet. And if the servant wouldn't have been there like Jesus in John the 13th chapter, Simon would have washed the feet. But he didn't offer that. And so in that rudeness being pointed out, notice what he says about the woman. But she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. Number two, you gave me no kiss. Now, that may seem strange to you and I, but that was just an appropriate greeting in that day and time. And so he walked into their house, and he was rude. They gave Jesus no appropriate greeting. And so Jesus calls him out on it. He says, I've been here, and the whole time I've been here, you've been rude to me. But look at this woman. Look how she has treated me. Notice, this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. So she's not kissing his cheek in humility. She's kissing his feet. And Simon, in his arrogance and rudeness, wouldn't even kiss Jesus in the customary way of his cheek. Look at verse 46. You did not anoint my head with oil. Again, a customary way to show honor to another. He wasn't going to show Jesus honor because he didn't honor Jesus. Again, he was rude. But this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. In other words, Simon... You could have just taken this very inexpensive oil and showed honor to me, but you wouldn't do that, pouring it on my head. Instead, this woman and her kindness, her politeness, she has taken a very expensive oil and she's put it on my feet. Now, I want you to notice... It's not me making this application. I'm not twisting scripture here. Look what Jesus says, verse 47. Therefore, in other words, he's saying, the examples I just gave you is why I can say what I'm saying. Therefore, I say to you, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Isn't that powerful? In this story, Jesus, how are you going to prove to Simon, this woman loves you? And he says, Simon, I'm just going to show you how she treated me, and I'm going to show you how you treated me. You were rude. Therefore, I know this. What do you know, Jesus? You don't love me. You were very polite to me. What do you know about that, Jesus? Jesus. He says, I know this woman loves me. Husbands and wives, we can say we love our spouse. But if it's a regular thing for us to be rude to them, God would say, You don't love them. Moms and dads, we can say, Oh, I love my children. But if you're regularly rude to your children, God would say, no. You don't love your children. Children, you can say, sure, I love my parents. But if you're regularly rude to them, God would say, no. You don't love them. Rudeness. Rudeness. reveals that I don't care how my behavior impacts you. I don't what? I don't love. I don't care. I don't love. And so it becomes selfish and motive. Let's look at one more example and we'll close. Do you remember the story? And again, this example is for a, a great teaching, but we see just the example of politeness uh, just mixed in it. Do you remember the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 men and how many women and children were there? And you remember, it was Jesus' compassion. Remember, he looked on the audience, and he was the one that initiated and said, we, we need to feed these people. Remember, the apostles got nervous. <laughs> we, we don't have enough money to feed all these people. And so Andrew goes, and he finds this little boy's lunch. Now, what are we gonna do with five loaves and two fishes? Now, let's just scan some verses here. Look in John 6 and 9. We see that the lad here has five barley loaves and and two small fishes. At the end of verse 10, we see that there's about 5,000 people gathered there. And in verse 11, we see that Jesus performs this miracle and he turns this little boy's lunch into so much food that the thousands upon thousands are fed and there's even leftovers. Notice the end of verse 11 as much as they wanted. Hey, it's an all-you-can-eat today. Jesus has prepared lunch from a little boy's lunch. Everybody can have all they want to eat. Now, what was the result of that powerful miracle? Skip down to verse 14. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, this is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. Do you see the result of this is that Jesus is glorified. They realize this is more than just a man. Later on, hopefully many of those people gathered there realized that Jesus was also more than just a prophet. But at this point, the people that saw this miracle, they could no longer deny, they had to admit, this is not your average good teacher. There's something powerful about this man. Jesus is the hero in this story. But have you ever thought about who's also one of much smaller scale, but another unsung hero in this story. Usually, when you give up your lunch, you give up your lunch. You don't get anything. What about if Andrew comes around and says, "Hey, son, uh, we, we need to we need to take your lunch." I feel like I know some boys that if Andrew would ask them, they said, "No, buddy, you go get your own lunch." I thought ahead today. I packed my own lunch because I'm smart. If you want your lunch, you pack your own lunch next time. Listen, this boy showed great politeness to say, I'll share. I'm sure this young man had no idea of what Jesus could do with the lunch. I don't think this young man thought, you know what, I'll share my lunch with thousands of people in some way. I'll get all you can eat today. Now we know that's the way it worked out, but about the generosity. Then, as we start bringing this to close, I want you to think about this. The only way his generosity was so powerful was because it was with Jesus. Powerful things happen when our politeness is not just because, oh, I've just been trying to work on being a better person. But when we can honestly say, I'm setting out to not be rude to anyone because I want to love as Jesus has taught me to love. I want to lift up Jesus. I want to be a reprint, if you will. Here's a portrait of Jesus. I want to be a reprint. I want people to know more about Jesus because we share in a relationship with each other. Rudeness shuts the door of opportunity to show God because rudeness is the absence of love and God is love what if every young person that's a part of the Mount Juliet congregation goes to their schools every one of us goes to our schools and never practices rudeness. Can you imagine how word would start getting around? It may take a year or two. But can you imagine how word would start getting around? Teachers would be sitting at lunch and they would say things like, have you had any kids in your class from the Mount Juliet Church of Christ? I mean, I know they go there because they always invite me to family day and to friends day, but... Have you had any of those students in your class? Because I have never seen kids that are more thoughtful of others. And it's every kid I meet from that congregation. I've been thinking about visiting there because I've never seen anything like that before. Can you imagine if employers, after after a little while, it starts dawning on them, wait a minute, this is the third or fourth employee I've hired and I know they go to the Mount Juliet Church of Christ and I've never seen anything like them. They're always considerate of other people. Their behavior can't go unnoticed. You know, we've talked about this love in 1 Corinthians 13. We'd be unlike anybody else in the world around us if we could truly practice this in perfection. And can you imagine how co-workers would say, I see the consistency here. I'm starting to learn more about what Christianity probably truly should look like. I've never really seen that before. Imagine if neighbors just started talking. And it became a common thing. Well, you know the best neighbor we ever had, they were part of the Mount Julia Church of Christ. Really? Really? <laughs> Is that coincidental? Because the best neighbors we ever had were part of the Mount Julia Church. that's interesting. It's like they were always so thoughtful of others. Yeah, that's the way they were. Brethren, if Jesus can take a little boy's lunch that was offered in kindness and do powerful things, He hasn't stopped working with those that are willing to work with Him in powerful ways. I don't think you and I have any way to truly grasp how powerful being polite to people is. Now I close with this. The world has its level of politeness. It's usually based around whatever is expected of them in that environment. And it's usually based upon convenience. But you see, for us as children of God, we love. And that's why we are polite. That's why we're not rude. And that love is unconditional. It doesn't matter what you have just done, what I still owe to you, not because of who you are, but because of who my God is. What I owe to you so I'm not going to be rude. I'm still going to consider what's good for you. And it's unconditional and sacrificial. It may cost me. To not disturb my neighbors in a hotel room, I may go to bed a little earlier than what I wanted to. It's going to cost me something. But I'll do it because it's sacrificial. I may not be able to do what I want in my neighborhood because I have neighbors close by. And so I sacrifice. I sacrifice. I'm not telling you I got this all down. I'm saying, I'm thinking for you and me. I'm talking out loud, okay? This is what we do I'll sacrifice because this love is sacrificial. We're in the grocery store and it's, or out shopping and it's Black Friday and people are running over our heels with shopping carts. And we act differently. Not because our carnal nature is different, but because we've decided we're going to live under the reign of the King and He calls us to love. And love is never rude. Can't hide behind the excuse, I'm just that way. There are a lot of people just that way. But those that are converted to Christ are not. Period. We're about to sing a song of encouragement. And I know we've been talking about things that's very hard to live out on a consistent basis, but that's the high standard that the Lord gives us. And the good news is that He forgives us. None of us are perfect. None of us have attained. But we've got this beautiful way to live that God urges us to move toward. This morning, are you a child of God? Have you become a Christian? Have you been baptized into Christ? Are you willing to repent of sins and confess before men? We'd love to assist you in being immersed into Christ if that's what you're ready to do this morning. Maybe along the way you've become a Christian, but also along the way you've lost the way and you need to confess sin and pray forgiveness as one that has repented of their sins. And we'd be honored to pray with you and for you. But let's make sure. Let's make sure that we leave here today giving this study some thought, prayer and meditation. And let's truly be the people that God has called us to be. If we can help you in any way, come